Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Find Me in a Book podcast. I'm your host, Tab. And I don't know why I just whispered that. Uh, I have so many emotions about this book. I just finished it yesterday, literally yesterday. I, (laughs) when I tell you so much is going down, like, I don't even know how long this podcast is going to be because there is so much information that I'm going to share with you that we learn about, like literally all of our questions are answered. And I thought that there was going to be two more books, which essentially, yes, there are going to be two more books, but they're like completely different stories, I believe. I think the next book is like Hudson's point of view with everything. And then I'm not sure what the next book is about. But I thought that it would continue on with the story, but it doesn't. Um, This basically wraps up their whole story. So we learn everything. And I seriously had my mouth open the whole time, like just shocked in awe. Like so good. I, yeah, I'm telling you, this book is like 10 out of 10. I loved it so much. Um, So yeah, let's, I have so many notes for you. And so much to tell you, and I hope you're just excited as I am. So let's get into it. All right, so this is episode 18. This is book four of the Crave series by Tracy Wolf, and this book is called Court. I have been waiting for this book for over a year. I am just, I'm telling you. The anticipation for this book was so freaking hyped, and it did not let me down. Seriously, everything that I could ever want in a book. So as for the spicy scale, it's about a two out of five. Like, there's some little scenes, but no, it's very um not descriptive. Like, <laughs> I, I this sounds so weird to say, but it's very, um like, flowery words like all in her imagination type things like it's very articulate I'm not making sense but basically it doesn't say like oh they made toast it just is a very flowery way of saying that they did so we know what happens it doesn't actually say what happens that's what I'm meaning there is a little bit more swearing in this book so if you are not liking swears then just kind of skip those. I believe like the first page, there's like the F word. So just so be weary, leery, leery, leery of that. Also big note right here. If you haven't listened to the first three of these books, uh, when I tell you this, this is now your spoiler alert. I am going to be telling you everything that happens in this book, basically. And if you're not to the fourth book yet, Please do not listen to this podcast because it seriously wraps up the whole series. And so all the questions that you ever had, they will be answered. And so if you're not ready to know all of these answers, you probably shouldn't listen yet and go read the three books or go listen to the podcast episodes of the three books so that you can be ready for this. Book three left off where they had gotten back to the school after that big like battle and they find out that Cyrus has taken all of the kids, all of the like students, the teachers, faculty, everyone out. Like he, they've completely ransacked the school. There's no one there. Um, the Her friends and her are able to find Maurice, who's a nurse there and able to help her kind of 
come back alive, not alive. They're able to kind of nurse her back to health so that she can help them in return. And also remember that Luca, he is one of uh, Jackson's like group. They're called the Order. He he died. Um, and Flint was his boyfriend. Flint the Dragon was Luca's boyfriend. And I guess within the vampire culture, you have to like bury the vampire in their family crypt within 24 hours, or they disintegrate. So all the friend group is arguing about whether they should tell his parents or have his parents come to the school because they're not sure if his parents are part of Cyrus's posse or on Cyrus's side. So they're very, very much arguing about this. And they finally decide, like, you know what? It's their son. Like, they want to come see their son. Like, we need to call them. So Jackson takes care of that and calls them um, to have them show up and and they are about to show up like that the next morning so that they can prepare. Um, and Maurice comes in, the nurse, um, to help like bandage them and everything. And she mentions something about like uh, Cyrus kidnapping like all the young kids for like young magic to like power something. And so they're like, uh, what could they he possibly be doing? Like. They have a lot of different theories. So that night they try and get some sleep and Grace is awakened um, by the unkillable beast. And remember he was like, tur he turned back into human. And I believe like they took him to the school. I'm not sure where he went or what, but he woke her up through m their mind, like, cause they're gargoyles. He, he's saying like, there's no time. There's no time. Wake up, wake up. She's like, okay, like, I am going to pack a bag and then I'm going to go back to Hudson's room so that, like, I'll, I'll have everything ready. And so as she's walking back to Hudson's room, the gargoyle, the unkillable beast, like, is there, like, right there, and he's by a chessboard. And he says that he's, like, worried, no time, no time, we're out of time. And she's like, what are you saying? Like, what what do you mean? And um, they're at that chessboard and he is holding, like, the vampire queen piece and... Uh, saying to be careful so she's like okay are you saying like the vampire queen doesn't have any time that we need to be careful of her like what are you saying and she goes to grab the piece and they actually they touch skin and there's like this electricity and a jolt of power and when she like looks up at him he's actually turning into stone and she like looks back down and that's when she sees that they are both holding the piece and she is also turning into stone as well so in my mind i'm starting to freak out a little bit because i'm like oh my gosh is this going to be like her and hudson like is she going to trap him in her mind or are they going in his mind like all these different possibilities and so they actually go into his mind and when she looks at him he is in his prime he is this young guy and that's when she realizes that he's the gargoyle king and she's just kind of in awe and he like welcomes her to like the gargoyle court like in his head he starts to like teach her all about gargoyles and they are walking through this court and it's like this castle and and just massive and beautiful and uh, she learns that they can speak telepathically to each other and that's how he was able to speak to her like during the year or whatever uh, when he would like speak in her mind and um, he and he talks about how he was hearing all the voices of the people and even throughout him being locked up as like the unkillable beast he would hear the the cries of his people and it was it was very like alarming and and kind of made him go crazy and um, and then he turns to her and he's like surely you know what that's like granddaughter like you must be like used to the voices from the gargoyle army as well I mean, what? 
like I was shook. I was like, WTF? This is grandpa? Like the Gargoyle King is grandpa? And then he says like, well, not like immediately granddaughter, but like many greats down the line. And I'm like, but still, like, um, she, uh, what? <laughs> like, you're, you're grandpa. So she says, like, she doesn't hear the voices in her head. And she's like, you know, you still hear them even though the army is dead? And he's like, no, no. The gargoyles aren't gone. Like, they're all around us. And he opens the doors of, like, the castle. And there are dozens upon dozens and dozens of gargoyles. They're just there. They're training. They're alive. And I'm like, okay, is this just in his head or is this real life? Like, how do we get the army to be there? Because from what we know of these books, like, they're all dead. Like, they were extinct. Like, Cyrus got rid of them. Like, how are there these gargoyles? And she, like, of she gets to see them train and, and she doesn't really understand what's going on. So she lets go of the string or whatever, like, caused them to go into, like, his head and she heads back to Hudson's room, and just a couple of minutes pass, like, she wakes Hudson up, and all of a sudden, Jackson is there, and he's like, hey, uh, Luca's parents are here. They're all kind of, like, very, very cautious, and so the parents come in, and um, they go into this room where Luca is laid out, and, and they say, like, their goodbyes, and then Maurice comes in, like, the nurse, and all of a sudden, Luca's mom, like, immediately goes to her and, like, pulls out her throat with her teeth and says, like, Maurice called Cyrus um, and the parents were the distraction um, so that they like the army like Cyrus's army can come and capture them and they said but you you helped our son like you have always been good to him like we are giving you a heads up so that that you can leave and so they're like freaking out and the parents disappear with the body they go to like the crypt or whatever and all of a sudden this this kid shows up I don't really know how old he is I don't think it really says but like a teenager and he shows up and his name is D Wood D Wood it's like D-E-W-U-D and we actually learn I mean we don't learn about it I just kind of assumed um as I was reading it they are a they if that makes sense so Tracy Wolf wrote them in as non-binary and so they have the pronouns as they and them. And I thought that was very cool. I really liked that. And it was very inclusive. So because they have an interesting name, D Wood, I'm just going to call them D, just the letter D. It's much easier. So D is saying that they got ahead of the first wave of the army because they actually need the group's help in finding their brother um, that was taken during the school attack. So they tell them that they maybe have five, ten minutes before the armies arrive. And so as they are heading out like the this room to go and pack a bag, there's this group of wolves that show up and they are kind of like freaking out, like, what are we supposed to do? And Hudson immediately disintegrates them. That is one of his powers. I can't remember if we talked about it in the other books, but one of his powers is to disintegrate. And each time he disintegrates, it takes like a little piece of his soul because he is able to get into each of the people's minds um, that he's like going to disintegrate and, and does that. So it kind of like takes a little piece of him. So they're barely able to make it in a portal to the witch court. Macy is able to make that, uh, which Macy is the cousin. She's a witch. They are able to 
kind of pushed their way into the king and queen because the king and queen said like, no, you're not, we're not going to give you an audience. Like you need to leave. That's what their guards say. And um, the queen's sister was actually like, no, 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 I'll make sure that they talk to you. So the group goes and in front of the king and queen and the royalty, like the king and queen, they refuse to help them and really want to kick them out because they're like, no, you're putting us in jeopardy. Like if we do anything to help you, he's going to hurt our kids. But we don't want anything to do with you because we want our kids back, of course. And that's when Grace tells him, like, hey, I have the crown and I also have the army of gargoyles because we learn. I think we learned when she was in with like the the gargoyle king. His name is. Oh, what is his name? Why did I forget that? I can't remember his name. I need to go look it up. But while she was in there, she learns that the crown doesn't work unless the army is there. So the king and queen make a deal that if the group can save like the children, um, then they'll have like the witches support and help with the war. Um, so they're immediately teleported out. And that's when the queen's sister comes out to them again and talks to them. And we actually learn, this is like, this is where it starts that we start to like learn things. This is where we learn that Macy's mom is actually in the vampire court and has been for the last eight years. So we'll learn more about that. Um, but going back to like the crown and like the vampire army. So the person who wields the crown can take away any like paranormal's power. Like you can take away some of the power. You can take away all of it. And you can choose how long to. So if you just want to take it away for like a day, a week or forever, like whatever fits the crime. Um, so she learns that they go hand in hand. So then that's when she tells them about the court, like her friends and everything. She tells them that she went to the Gargoyle court and was able to see it. So they're like, okay, let's go to Ireland. So they all fly to Ireland and the court actually isn't there. It's a very crumbled mess. And they're kind of freaking out because they're like, wait, isn't the court supposed to be here? Like the Gargoyles were supposed to be here? Like, what <laughs> like what's happening like freaking out because i mean i would be freaking out like there's supposed to be this army here that's that's to help me but there's nothing like literally nothing is there just a crumbled castle so yes i would be right there with them freaking out um so they actually are able to stay in like this lighthouse i think it's like an airbnb i don't know so her and hudson are just kind of laying on the bed and that's when he tells her about the string so remember at the end of the third book, it says like he really wanted to tell her about that emerald green string. So we start to learn about that string and he thinks that it takes her to the gargoyle court. He says that she is able to freeze time when she like kind of touches that string. And so they, they talk about like, okay, who else can freeze time? And we find out that the blood letter does. And I don't know if I had told you guys in the third book, um, but when Hudson and Grace go to visit the blood letter, when they're trying to figure out like the mating bond, the blood letter actually freezes Hudson for just like a couple minutes while she talks to Grace. And I don't, I don't know if I mentioned that, but yeah, so they're like, oh my gosh, the blood letter can do that. Like maybe she's the only person who can help them find like the gargoyle army. And so I don't know if you're thinking this, but I immediately thought this like, OMG, is the blood letter grandma? Like, is she grandma? We already found grandpa. And he talked about like his mate and how she helped him keep like the voices out of his head 
and that she has like a mean bite. And so things are like starting to click. I'm like, is she grandma? So they all go to the cave and we learn that, yes, she is grandma. Like great, 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 great grandma, of course. But we also learn that she is the god of chaos and created all the paranormals. I don't believe I told you the story. There was so much happening in the third book that I I don't think I told you this story as well. So we're kind of like circling back around. So we learn that in the very, very beginning, there were two gods and they gave birth to twins. So two daughters. And one was the god of chaos and the other was the god of order. So the god of chaos is the blood letter and the god of order is the crone which, remember, they go and see the crone. We also learn that Grace's mom was a gargoyle, but didn't know. We'll, we'll kind of go into that a little bit more as well. So back to the story about the crone. So the crone hates paranormals because her sister made them. And so she was so mad at the bloodletter's creation that she poisoned a, a cup of life, uh, which took like the bloodletter's godhood, and trapped her on Earth as like a demigod, which of course trapped the crone as well because what happens to one happens to the other. The blood letter was like, okay, well, I need to make sure that my paranormals like stay alive because the crone, like she was having the humans, like the humans were her creation. So she was having them like battle and like kill each other. So the blood letter created the mating bond um, so that there would be a better like survival a better chance of survival for each paranormal. And so that's how she was able to create Grace and Jackson's bond. Um, and when she says that, like when the blood letter says that, we learn that Jackson and Flint like look at each other, like they give each other a look. And I can tell you this because this is like the end book. So we don't really learn anything more about Jackson and Flint, but there's a lot of talk of, like in the book there's a lot of looks between them and there's kind of like some affection towards each other, but nothing is ever said. Like, I think that they're mates, <laughs> like, because Flint's boyfriend died, Luca, and Jackson doesn't have his uh, mating bond anymore. And remember, he's alive, like he has the dragon heart from Flint's mom. And I really think that they're mated. But we don't know. We literally don't find out in this book. Yes, there was the war between the like bloodletter and the crone. And so their parents are the ones who created the gargoyles. Once the gargoyles were created, the gargoyle king went to faction to faction and securing like peace treaties and alliances. And he saved the vampire court for last. So they're like, oh, what did Cyrus do? And, and she's like, actually, Cyrus wasn't the like royalty back then. Uh, she was. She was the vampire queen. So the blood litter was the vampire queen then. So when the king of the gargoyles and her touched, they became mates. And Cyrus was actually like her first lieutenant and became super jealous that he convinced the circle that she was like no longer loyal to the court and that her allegiances were aligned with the gargoyle court, which they kind of were. So they like basically overthrew her. He went to the crone because he was upset and the crone gave him that poison uh, to give to the gargoyle court. So the crone gave the poison to Cyrus and that's the same poison that she used on the blood letter. And Cyrus took the poison, 
She like allowed him to drink it without being hurt. And he bit a gargoyle and it went through their whole line of communication. So remember how the gargoyles are all kind of connected. They can talk telepathically to each other. So he bit one and it went to all of them and it spread. And they learned that his eternal bite, I'm putting that in like quotations because it's actually residue of that poison. So he actually doesn't really have an eternal bite. Like he tells people like he's just trying to save face basically. And so he tried to kill all of the gargoyles, but didn't take into account that she's still the god of chaos and that gone, even though we say like, oh, the gargoyles are gone, it doesn't mean that they're dead. She actually put them in like a frozen stasis, if that makes sense. So when Grace is able to go in her mind to like the gargoyle court, they're frozen in that time. That's how the poison was stopped. And so they've been frozen there as like just in the kind of this imaginary world for thousands of years. And so they don't want to unfreeze them because then that poison will start to spread. And so she needs to find basically an antidote for this poison. While they're all there, the bloodletter is actually trying to teach her how to use like her green emerald string. But in the process, she actually creates like a hole in time. And that's when we meet the god of time. So he is called like the historian or the god of time. And he shows up and fixes everything that needs to be fixed and, and basically tells her that like, the only way she can help the gargoyles or treat them, find this antidote, is to get these tears of Elonis or something. Uh, Elois. I'm just going to say the tears. There are tears of some god, and it's in Florida. <laughs> like, okay, Florida. I guess we're all going to Florida. So they are able to fly to Florida from Ireland. It's a very long flight. And... They know that they need to go to this taffy shop, which is strange, but they just feel it. Like all of them are like, okay, we need to go to this taffy shop. It's called like Monster Taffy. And so they go in and it's like this powerful lady. And there's a sign that says, wait to approach. Like she will basically tell you when you can approach. Grace is like, Oh, I don't want to wait. Like, we've waited for a while. And so she tries to talk to this lady, and she's like, no, you can't compete. Like, you're not ready for this competition. Like, no one has beaten this trial. And the group gets pretty upset. Grace really wants to do this trial, but no one has beaten it. Like, literally over 3,000 people have tried, and no one has beaten it. The Some of the group are really upset because, like, the kids are basically being tortured by Cyrus for their magic. And so they're like, we need to go save those kids right now. Like, we cannot try and get these tears right now. Like, because that's, what if we die? Like, those kids will be in there. And so they kind of have, like, an internal fight within the team. And so they're like, okay, let's go back to Ireland. Like, let's regroup. Let's create a plan. So they go. They they rest for like a day. And there's actually like a toast scene. And this is what I wrote as I like read it. Um, it's very articulate. It has a lot of metaphors and nothing descriptive. That That is what I noticed about the writing where it's like, yes, essentially they are making toast, but there are so many metaphors about it that I'm like, what am I really reading? Can you just tell me that like his pee pee goes in her vivi? Like, 
can we just say that? Instead, it's just very, very flowery, like I said earlier. So they are like resting after that. And Jackson bursts in and is like, uh, half the group went to the vampire court. So they're freaking out because they're like, oh my gosh, why did they leave without us? Like, what are we supposed to do without him? Like, I guess we have to go to the vampire court now. And so Hudson's like, okay, well, I kind of have a plan. Like, let's go through my lair. Like, let's let's kind of go through the court through that, like, access point. And they're like, okay. So they all fly to London, and they're able to go through his lair. And there's, like, these tunnels. And these guards show up, and they are actually, like, on Hudson's side. And so he's like, hey, okay, like, lead us to the doors that we need to get into. Like, here's our plan. And so the guards are like, okay, yes, we can do that. So they get as far as they can, and the guards die. Like, something comes out of nowhere. Basically, it's a dagger that comes out of nowhere and kills these guards. And this girl shows up. They're like, uh, hi, who are you? <laughs> uh, she kind of does, like, her little monologue and says, like, oh, didn't Daddy Dearest, like, tell you? Basically, this girl is their sister. I mean, talk about just speechless. Like, this girl is their sister, and they didn't even know about her. Like, she's the oldest. <laughs> I mean, like, what else? What else is this author going to drop on us? Because... Now they have a sister. And so they get captured and their powers are stinted um, because they're put in like shackles and everything. And they're put in the cell with like their friends and like the whole group from the school. So their friends are like, oh, my gosh, you came for us. And they're like, "Uh, yeah, we literally didn't have any other choice. So they're all together with the school. They are able to find Uncle Finn. And he tells them that he knows that Macy's mom is there at the vampire court. And Macy's, of course, very upset because it's been like 10 years, basically, that she hasn't had her mom. But her dad has known the whole time where she was. We learn that her mom um, asked a favor of the crone and couldn't complete it. And so Cyrus actually convicted her of spying on the vampire court because her mom, Macy's mom, was trying to complete this favor. So she was put in jail. We learn a little bit more about that favor later on. I know. I'm just leading you guys to keep listening because literally all of this is so crazy. We learn more about the sister. Her name is Isadora Vega. And Cyrus does like this whole long monologue about how Grace like played into her hands and then we learned that Isadora is a soul siphon. So that's how he's been able to get all this power is because she basically like taps into someone, touches him, and is able to siphon all the power out of that person, basically like kills them, and he gets all that power. She's basically been manipulated her whole life to help him and be like the perfect daughter. And then finally we learn what Cyrus wants like why why this war why is he doing all these steps like what does he freaking want and it's the godstone which is in the gargoyle court so grace makes a deal that she'll bring him the stone if he lets everyone from the school go free like including the teachers and her uncle and aunt he's like okay well go and get it then and then we can talk about it so they make this deal she's like well i need to take my friends with me and he's like Okay, well, I'm not going to, like, let them go, so you got to figure it out. So she's like, okay, well, everyone, like, touch me, basically. Everyone has to have a hand on her. And then she's like, imagine the gargoyle court, 
like like this big castle, like imagine all these different things, like very descriptive words. And then she brushes her finger against like the green string and they're transported in her mind to the court. So they're all all there. And she says that every day that passes um, in the real world is six days in the frozen court. And they want to get back within a day because Cyrus said like, hey, every 24 hours, I'm going to be like killing someone. Um, and he's going to go for the order, which is Jackson's little group. He's going to go for them first. So they're like pretty motivated to get back. So they're there for a couple days and they take turns throughout the days, like trying to find the stone. Um, and the, there's the, the gargoyle general, his name is Castian, but I'm just going to call him the general. So he like meets them at the door when they first arrive and he's like, what are you guys doing here? Like, what what do you want from us? Like, you, I don't really recognize you as the queen. Like, you're very weak. He's just basically really mean to her. And so she's like, well, I, because she doesn't want to tell him the truth. She's like, well, I wanted to bring my friends because there's one of each faction here and they can teach the gargoyles how to fight that faction. And so he's like, okay, we're going to be training like we always do. Like, you're going to be training. And she's like, oh, uh, okay. So basically he like beats her butt like every day. So Grace comes up with a plan that they are once they find the stone, they're going to give the stone to Cyrus and when they get out, they're going to go and do the trial to get like the tears, heal the gargoyles and then go and defeat Cyrus. So it takes them a couple days and after a while she notices that the general has this ring on his finger and she instantly knows that it's the godstone. So they have to figure out this plan to get the, to get that ring off of his finger. And in the meantime, she's training and her and Hudson are just talking more. And, and we find out that in the vampire culture, when you turn five, you're put into this like crypt and and given this like elixir that that puts you in like a stasis for a month and also like helps your powers manifest. So not only does it help you sleep, it helps your powers manifest and then after you come out, you feed and then you go back in. We learned that Jackson was in his for, I think, 100 years. I think that's the normal amount. But Cyrus, of course, is psycho. And he wanted Hudson to have multiple powers. So he took Hudson out more than he did Jackson and gave him more elixir. And the elixir, like the sleeping portion, starts to not work after a while. And so we learn that Hudson was basically in his crypt, like awake for over a hundred years, like hundreds of years. Later on, we learn, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to say that a lot. Like we learn, we learn because we are learning. We're learning all this information that kind of just ties the story together. So we learned that Isadora, she was in her crypt for a thousand years. And so we're pretty sure she has like three skills or three magic powers so that kind of makes you go insane and and she's a pretty like insane girl like she has a lot of anger issues which absolutely makes sense like her dad is an evil guy so in order to get this ring she decides that she's going to freeze the whole army so that she can get it and the god of time appears and he's so angry because she kind of changed the timeline a little bit and she didn't honor the truce of not like dealing with time because when she first did it in the Bloodletters cave, the, the God of Time was like, okay, you cannot do this again. Like, I am not going to 
fix your problems. I'm not going to fix this anymore. Like if you do this again, I will unfreeze the gargoyles. And she did it again. And so he's like, fine. Like I am going to unfreeze the gargoyles. The poison is going to get them. Sorry. And so he snaps his fingers and they're all at the worn down court. So like basically real life. And the gargoyles are all there. And that's when the general yells for them to fortify, which means turn to stone. So once they turn to stone, the poison can't spread anymore. And so he can't fortify, though. He can't turn to stone because he has to protect the ring. And she's like, I need you to give me this ring. And she's trying to convince him. And he's saying, like, you're not worthy of being a gargoyle. And you're certainly not worthy of being the gargoyle queen. And he won't listen to her. Like, he's being very rude. He he has to protect the ring. Like, he can't turn to stone. So he's going to be taken over from poison. And that's when she gets mad. And she finally tells him she is using this ring to get the kids from Cyrus because they're being tortured and she tells him her plan he just looks at her and he's like you know what all you had to do was tell the truth from the beginning and I would have given you the ring he says the first day that you were here if you would have told me this I would have given you the ring and we would have gone from there that's so frustrating because it's like if she literally would have just told him the truth from there she could have got the ring. But we didn't know that. And it makes sense why she had to be sneaky because he could have just been like, uh, no, bye. And then they'd have no chance. So, I mean, I get both sides. But then he kind of gives her, I really like this sentence. Actually, it's like a little paragraph. But he says, a gargoyle's purpose is to protect those who cannot protect themselves. And children are the most precious of those. I would have given you the ring the first day, even if it meant the death of the army, a gargoyle will always sacrifice their life to save the defenseless. And she's so upset. And he gives her the ring and she tells him to fortify. So he turns to stone. And that's when they realize that the god of time actually snapped them into real life time. So their bodies are not still in the vampire court because they all turn to stone basically so that she can go in her mind to the the gargoyle court but he snapped them to real time so they're not at the vampire court anymore so they're trying to figure out a way to get back to london when remy and calder appear remember them we love them so they were in the third book and in like the prison and everything so remy did get out and he like reunited with calder and they appear and he's like i couldn't really see the future with this because he he's a really really powerful warlock witch and uh, he's able to basically tell the future and or like see the future. And he was like, I couldn't see it, but I felt that you really needed me right now. And so they're like, oh, my gosh, like they're just so excited to see him. And he's like, yeah, I knew you're going to need me for the next part. And so we also casually learn Isadora is a demigod as well, which I really realize right now that I don't think I told you that Grace is a demigod. She realized that when she found out that uh, the god of chaos, so the blood letter, is her grandma. That's when we learn that Grace is a demigod as well. That's what the green string is uh, that we finally learn is that it's her demigod string. So, it, I mean, yes, it does kind of go with like the gargoyle core and going into her mind. When she grabs onto the string, those are all her demigod powers. <laughs> 
<laughs> like she was trying to control. So sorry that I didn't tell you right then. My notes didn't lead me up to that. I set myself up for it. Uh, but yeah, that's what her string is. And we also learn that Isadora is a demigod as well. At that point, I was like, well, how is she a demigod? Is she Grace's sister? And I'm like, no, they wouldn't do that. Guess who her mom is? I mean, we're going to find out. But I'm just saying, guess who her mom is? I'm not going to tell you, but I'm sure you know. Because if she's a demigod, like, who else could be her mom? This is great. This is great. I'm so excited to keep going. So they are able to teleport back into the prison. And Cyrus is there. They give him the the godstone. And him and Izzy leave. But Delilah is still there. And Delilah is... Jackson and Hudson's mom so like the mate to Cyrus that's when Grace basically calls her out and because Cyrus like just treats her like crap and orders her around and Grace is like do you actually like it when your husband orders you around like that like in front of people I'm just asking because it it makes him look like a total tool and you look like a total doormat and Delilah explodes like she's just furious and that's when Grace is kind of able to manipulate her that Delilah really wants revenge against Cyrus, which makes sense because Delilah is the one that all their kids, like so Isadora, Jackson, and Hudson, that's where they get their powers and how strong their powers are is because of Delilah. Cyrus just has always like treated her like crap. So they make a deal. They are able to get everyone out. So Grace makes a deal like, hey, you can have this revenge on Cyrus if we can get everyone out of here, including like Macy's mom. And so she's like, deal, like let's make that deal. So Grace is making deals all over left and right. And once they're trying to get Macy's mom out of the prison, she starts to really hurt, like she's in a lot of pain. So they're like, what's happening? What's going on? And she tells her about the favor that she owed with the crone. We learn more about the favor. So I'm just gonna tell you now that Macy's mom she went to the crone for a favor uh, to get this certain tea to hide Grace's powers or like be dormant as a gargoyle. So she got that favor and that's when the crone learned that her daughter might be alive. Um, we learned that the crone is Izzy's mom. And when something happens to one sister, it happens to the other. So the crone was told by Cyrus that um, the blood letter killed her daughter. And so he said like, oh yes, your daughter is dead too. Like all this happened. So the crone thought that her daughter was dead because that's what Cyrus told her. But once Macy's mom went to the crone to ask for this tea for like to keep the gargoyle dormant, that's when the crone realized like, hey, my daughter is still alive too because if this ancestral line is still going to keep the gargoyle dormant, then my daughter's alive. Like, so you kind of put piece and like pieces it together. And so that's when she asked Macy's mom, like, I need you to bring my daughter back to me because she assumes like her daughter is at the vampire court with Cyrus because Cyrus yelled or because Cyrus lied. Macy's mom went to the vampire court and was kind of like sneaking around trying to find her daughter. That's when Cyrus caught her and convicted her as like a spy and put her in prison. So she hasn't been able to fulfill the deal. So the group realizes, okay, we need to take Izzy to the Crone's Island. So they kidnap Izzy somehow because Izzy's a freaking badass and really tough. So they are able to kidnap her, take her and transport all of them 
or teleport all of them to the island. And the crone comes out and we have like a flashback memory of like Grace and her parents or basically her parents. She's like out of the room or something talking about how it's time for Grace to go to the school and embrace her powers. And that's when they talk about like Grace, like taking the tea, making sure like everything's okay because her mom didn't want her to go. And her dad's like, no, she needs to go to the school. Like she needs to stop taking this tea. Like it's ready. The time is now for her to gain this power. And so that's how we learn about the whole deal and everything like that. And Izzy's really upset because she's like, I didn't know my mom was alive. I didn't know that she was my mom. She's just very upset. And the crone is like, okay, the deal is settled. Your mom is free to go. So Remy opens a portal to the vampire court and to the witch's court. And they all tell Izzy, like, hey, you have a choice right now. Like, you can come with us and have a family and be with your brothers and, like, choose this way. Or you can go back and still be, like, a subject of your dad. And she's, like, just the little prissy lady. And she's, like, I'm going to pick the winning side. And so she goes in and Remy follows her. And he is able to get Macy's mom and bring her back. And then they go into the witch's court. So they are able to settle there for like a day trying to figure out what they need to do to get ready for the trials because that's kind of their next step is they need to go find these tears. Before Izzy actually went into that portal, she tells them like, hey, Cyrus like is going to use the stone at the school at midnight because it's a super blood moon lunar eclipse, like just like the night of all nights, I guess. And so they're like, okay, they go to the witches like cohort they rest they get everything ready they get like these different like talisman and spells and potions from macy's mom and they're just really prepared so it's a group of them there's 12 of them that go to florida and are going to participate in this trial so there's hudson and jackson they're the vampires and then flint and eden they're the dragons Mackay, byron and raphael they're part of the order with Jackson so they're friends and they're they're all vampires and remember Luca was part of the order as well and then we have DeWood so D and then Remy and Calder and Macy who is a witch so there's 12 of them (laughs) there's a big group and so they go back into the store and the lady there her name is Tess and she's like why like what took you so long like everything's ready and they're like oh Okay, thanks, I guess. So they go down this, like, corridor, and it opens up to this, like, big coliseum. Obviously, there's magic in the, like, outside. People would know if it was a big coliseum, but they can't see it. Anyways, they are told that there are four rounds um, before they can get to the tiers. And these rounds are full of, like, puzzles and challenges. And I'm not going to go through, like, all the details because it's kind of a long piece of the book how they go through these trials. And and then they get to the last trial, and it's, like, this big beast, but they're not able to see it. It's it's translucent. And so Remy is able to throw up this, like, stone, and it attaches to the beast so then they can see it. And it's, like, a very translucent. You can see the insides. It's a very horrible, horrible beast. But, yes, it has this rune on it so it can be seen. And during that time, they're trying to kill this beast or injure it. And Mackay is injured and Byron and Raphael actually die. 
So they, they've lost two people in this last round. So they're trying to trap this creature. And as Grace is getting it kind of like trapped throughout the different portals that they've created, it actually rips one of her wings off. And wings are a big thing to gargoyles, naturally. Um, they would probably be a big thing to anything that flies. Um, and during that time, the beast is also injured and it can't get up. So she walks over to like finish it, like kill the beast. <laughs> That's from Beauty and the Beast. Kill the beast. Anyways, she sees that the beast actually has like tears running down its face. And she realizes she realizes that he is actually a captive and he has this like harness around it. So she like breaks the harness and she has a lot of empathy for this beast. And she is like, I need to heal it. So she's like crying and also taking power from the earth to heal this creature. And they're like, okay, well maybe this, this, challenge was to kill the beast but what if we don't like so they just kind of wait and see what happens and then all of a sudden the walls start coming down and and changing and everything like that and the keeper of the store so Tess she runs out and she's like screaming she's like my boy my boy like um just in tears like she's so happy um, because this creature had turned into a little boy we learned that the boy had been the creature for 1500 years what how do people live this long? How are these parents? If paranormals are really real, how are they living this long? I mean, I would not want to live that long. Just imagine going through the different eras of like fashion and trends and everything. Just seeing from like when we had bicycles to now that we have cars and planes, you know, like I don't know if I could do it. I think I might go insane or I would be so freaking rich that I would love it and I could do whatever I want. I don't know. Either way, that's a really, really long time to be a creature. And then he turns back into a little boy. Because Grace showed mercy, she beat the trial and earned the tears. And uh, she freed the son from the curse that he had lived that he had lived under. So I guess Tess, she a long time ago, obviously, killed like a god's son. And because she didn't show the son mercy, her son was doomed to live as like the most terrible beast that ever existed, cursed to fight and kill and suffer over and over and over, um, and could only be freed if someone like stopped thinking about themselves. So that's what Grace did. They got the tears, they freed the son, everything's good, everything's settled, and has the elixir. So she takes, so they walk out of the store, and they're all kind of like really shook because Raphael and Byron died. Jackson and Remy do a teleport and they take like those two bodies back to their families uh very carefully i guess grace like goes into her mind and sees all the strings and she is able to actually find all of the gargoyle strings like she's already connected to them so she holds on to them and she drinks the elixir so it spreads down the network and she actually is trying to talk to them as well like hey are you there hello and that's when the general like comes into her mind and he's like they can't hear you and she's like oh why like why can't they hear me and he's like because they don't accept you as their queen and like he's going to make sure that they don't accept her and he basically says like the army's not going to follow you like you are not the gargoyle queen like your disappointment just very very rude to her and so she's just devastated because 
the army was literally the master plan. <laughs> like that's what they all had banked everything on. Getting the tears, curing the army, having the army go after Cyrus's army. Like that was the plan. <laughs> when I was reading this, I seriously didn't know what they could do. I mean, I, I try and have an imagination, but I, I just didn't know because I'm like, well, where literally where are they going to go from here? What could they obviously do to beat the army? And like if the gargoyles aren't going to show up, like I was freaking out. So I was like, of course, I have to keep reading because uh, that's just what you do. So they all portal back to the school because that's where they're told like, hey, this is like Cyrus is going to have this whole big thing, like blah, 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 to become a god. Like he needs all this power. And so they they portal to the school like far away from like the army or whatever. And they see that Cyrus has brought at least 10,000 paranormals. So they're freaking out. But they also know because the army has been unfrozen, like the gargoyle army, that means that Cyrus is mortal. Because his immortality was frozen with the gargoyles for some reason. So they create a plan. They have like these different sections that they're going to teleport into. And they're like, oh, like the dragons are going to go up and do this. And then all of a sudden, Jackson turns into a dragon because he has the dragon heart. And Flint is like so flabbergasted, which I'm like too, like so speechless as well, because I'm like, oh, my gosh, you guys are perfect for each other. Like, oh, they're both dragons. Um. And also, I don't think I said in the very beginning, I think I was kind of confused in the last book, but Flint did lose his leg. He only lost one leg. I thought he lost like both his legs, but it was just one. So he has like a prosthetic that the witches like made for him. And so he's he's a lot better now. He's still like pretty harsh about things and has hard feelings, which I mean, it's understandable because he really wanted hudson to disintegrate all the people when they were at that battle but hudson didn't because flint didn't realize the cost that it takes hudson and so hudson obviously chose not to disintegrate people and flint was pretty upset but anyway he's going through a lot of emotions through this book um but he's very happy that jackson can turn into a dragon uh so they make this plan and they are able to teleport with remy into these different sections so there's like these three domes that are these like force field and so they go to one where all these witches are at doing this force field and remy is able to break it and they're able to basically kill all the witches so then everyone thinks that they're going to go to the second dome but they send the dragons there to kind of distract them and they go to the third dome (laughs) they're able to take out that third one when they get to the next one that's when they start to get surrounded by all the army so there's just like waves and waves and waves of these paranormals and hudson disintegrates like a couple rows and jackson gets hurt as a dragon so he kind of like falls And Grace is healing him. And as she's healing him, she turns to look. And Hudson's about to get stabbed in the back. And so she screams. And all of a sudden, there's this dagger in the enemy's back. And it kind of changes focus. I don't know. I... (laughs) I don't know if you do this, but when I read books, it's kind of like a movie in my mind. So I'm thinking like all the focus is on Hudson and then it kind of changes focus or like broadens and you see the enemy that was about to like stab him. He like there's a dagger in that back and then you kind of look in the background and there's Izzy. She actually threw 
a dagger to save Hudson. And she was in that third dome with Cyrus. So Cyrus saw all of it. So then a warlock starts coming after them and he, he comes for Remy um, because they're, they're both like very powerful warlocks. And this warlock is about to send like a really deathly spell to Remy and he can't hold, hold his like shield enough. And Calder runs out in front of him and she actually dies. So we have lost three people now. Uh, two in like the trials and now Calder. And she dies and Remy is very upset. And they're actually all captured. So they are tied up, each of them tied up to these like metal rods. Because we're thinking that Cyrus is going to like call down lightning, I want to say, to give him a lot of power so that he can create, be created into this god. And he's also going to siphon all of their power as well. As they're captured, Grace does a very, very beautiful speech. Like it is... I just loved it a lot because she talked about like gargoyles and it was just a very beautiful speech. And he still is like strapping them to these machines and starts to siphon their powers. So they're all basically dying and are powerless. And she is watching like her gargoyle string fade. She's watching her mating bundle. Um, But as she's looking, she feels something different and she keeps looking and she sees that her demigod string is a brilliant bright green just like waiting for her to have courage to like grab it and set it free so that's what she does she's like you know what I can't control this I want to embrace it that's what she decides so each time that she had used that string previously it was for a purpose she was trying to use the power trying to control it and that's why it went bad and created these like holes in time so she grabs it this time and lets that power know that she's ready to embrace that side of her and to be the demigod. Like, she is just ready for it. And, like, I was just feeling so much emotion. Like, I could feel it. I was was just so happy for her. I was like, yes, girl, like, be a demigod. This is you. You are a badass. Like, you are the freaking gargoyle queen. Like, the first gargoyle in a thousand years. And you're a freaking demigod, like, embrace it. Like, oh, I was just, like, chanting in my head, like, yes, girl, yes. So she does. And she becomes this demigod. She feels so much power. She's able to, like, break the bonds of, like, all the chains and everything. And she puts power back into her friends. And so they are basically able to come back to life and have this power. And she tells Cyrus like just makes this statement oh it's so powerful she's like I am the demigod of chaos and the child of mother earth and I am the gargoyle queen and the bearer of the crown and mated to a vampire I'm like oh bitch like yes (laughs) like oh my gosh it made me so happy I was like we are doing this we like I am part of the team I am the cheerleader in the background like I'm going yes gargoyle queen yes do your thing I will be right here in the background just watching you I really do wish that I was paranormal though I I mean does anyone know of any paranormals that they can like bite me like give me your powers I saw this like TikTok that was like he was in the woods and he's like hey does anyone know like vampire that can come bite me like I make a mean banana bread and I'm like that's me too girl like I can make banana bread I can make like blood smoothies whatever you need me to do like just give me 
a paranormal power. I can be a werewolf. I could be a witch. I could be whatever you want. Like, I just want to be part of that world. I just want to know it's real. Like, someone tell me it's real. And I know I'm talking so fast because I just, I just love it. Like, this book makes me so excited. Like, uh, everything is just, like, wrapping up. Like, we are almost to the end, which is crazy. So, he's, she, like, makes the statement and he laughs at her. Um, but she tells him like, you know what? You're a false God. And, uh, she's like, you took the power from the earth. Like the power in the universe can always take it back from you. And she actually looks at Izzy and she's like, are you ready to F things up? And she's like, of course I am. And so they link hands, girl power, even more, they link hands and, freaking grace is able to like reach up and like harness all of this lightning and pulls in the power and then she is able to pull the power from cyrus's body and she like distributes it because remember that she's like a she's a conduit of power and so she is able to be that conduit between like izzy like to siphon energy and power so she is able to siphon that from Cyrus and she distributes it back to her friends. So not only like the God power, but also like their regular powers as well. Like she distributes it. So then as she's like kind of like settling in with that power, she realizes that her gargoyle and demigod have merged together and she looks back and she has a new wing. She got her freaking wing back like she's a real gargoyle again. So then Cyrus is yelling at the army, like, attack, attack, like, we got to do this. And so all her friends are up by her side and they're like, make this power stance, basically. And she, in her head, she starts to hear a thump, 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 thump. And she's like, what is that sound? Like, uh, this is so overwhelming. And she looks at Hudson. And she's like, do you hear that? Like, what is that loud sound? And he's like, I don't hear anything. And she looks up. And over the mountain, she sees the thousands of gargoyles can you believe it was that enough like <laughs> was that enough like suspense for you guys the gargoyles are there they're there oh, i had tears in my eyes i honestly did when i read that that the gargoyles were there i I teared up. I was so emotional. <laughs> like this book just sucked me in. I was right there. Like I said earlier, I was right there on the battlefield with them. I was feeling all the emotions. So the gargoyles land and the general comes to find her. The gargoyles are all fighting the army. The general is like, okay, what do we need to do? And she's like, we need to fight. He's like, let's vanquish the enemy. And so through the fight, Grace is like, you know what? I need to stop this battle because there's just so many deaths. Like, I need to figure something out. So she's like, okay. And she is able to reach in her mind and find all of the strings of the paranormals. Not the gargoyles, just all the paranormals that are there on the opposite side. And she freezes them along with Cyrus. The general comes back to her and is like, what, what are your orders? And she's like, put the army in in the formation put them in their circle and he knows exactly what she's wanting to do so once they're in a circle like surrounding her friends there's another circle around that circle and there's just circles of gargoyles she unfreezes just cyrus this is what she says to him it's so freaking powerful she says cyrus vega 
You sought war when you should have fought for peace. You harmed those you should have kept safe. And you destroyed lives you could have lifted up. For your many crimes, you will forfeit your power. And so she takes the crown. She puts it on his heart. I think it's like on, it's on her hand still. So she puts it on his heart and she takes away all his power. But she leaves his immortality. So he's completely human but has his immortality because she has plans. She's a sneaky, sneaky lady. So once him and Delilah, because Delilah was there, once they're like both locked up, basically, she tells the gargoyles like, hey, let's clean up the battlefield. Like, let's um, kind of get all this like settled. Me and my friends, like we still have something that we need to do. And they're like, oh, okay, sure. So she has Remy teleport them all to the Bloodletters cave. And we learned that the Bloodletter created the prison with her power. So its strength is like the the thing that bounds her soul. So she can never leave because she didn't have more power than what was in her soul, if that makes sense. Um, and there's only a few objects that can like make a soul's power grow. And one of them is the crown. And... Oh, Alistair, that's the Gargoyle King's name. So he is actually there with the Bloodletter because they're mates. Like, they found each other again. And that's why Alistair, when he was the Unkillable Beast, was saying, like, give the crown to my mate. And so Grace gives the crown to the Bloodletter, and the Bloodletter is free. Then Grace turns to Delilah, and she tells her, like, hey, you guys are trapped here. Like, her and Cyrus are trapped here. Delilah and Cyrus are there. And he's human and immortal. So Delilah like immediately attacks him because he's just going to come back to life. And he's basically her feeding like her food. And she can like do all her revenge on him because they're stuck in that cave because they're not going to get any more power than what they have to be able to get out. So then the group is able to leave the cave and the bloodletter is able to be there as well. Like she's with her mate and they're like, we should go like let's let's live our lives now so that's how that wraps up isn't that kind of insane i don't know if you still have any questions if you do let me know because i can hopefully answer them because maybe i just didn't say it in the podcast um but then the next chapter is three months later so this kind of like wraps it up a little bit um i didn't think it was like super necessary or i don't know just how it was put i i don't think it really added anything but it's three months later And they have moved to San Diego. So her and Hudson are now in school. And during one of like their lunches, Eden actually shows up telling them that they found the Shadow Queen. Um, Because when they were in the trials, Makai actually got bit by one of the bugs. Like one of the trials was all these bugs. He got bit and there was like this poison that's been slowly killing him. And so Eden says like, hey, we found the Shadow Queen and like we're going to get her help to heal Makai. And so they kind of like look at each other and they're like, let's go on another adventure. And so they go back to their like little town home. And this is remember how every last line of the book is like a cliffhanger. This one's not a cliffhanger. I mean, it kind of is. It just like, I don't know what emotion I felt, but just let me let me read it to you. Uh, Because the whole time during these books, Um, when they went to the giants, the city of giants in the second book, he gave her like this promise ring or this mating bond ring. And he has to say like this promise to her 
um, when he puts it on and then it's like bound forever. But he, of course, has it in her head. So like during the second and third in this book, she like guesses what he promised her. And she says like all these funny things. And so at the very end, he tells her uh, what he promised her. And he says, I will love you, Grace, till the sun grows cold and the stars are old. And she looks at him and gasps. And she says, I remember Hudson. I remember everything. What? Like, you know what that means, right? Like, she remembers everything that happened when they were in stone together. Like, during that four months. Also, it was like a really quick line in the book. But don't you know how like one day in um the real world is six days in like that stone like stasis or whatever so four months is way longer than four months in like that stone world so they were there together for a really long time I need to do the math but I'm not going to you can do the math if you want but she remembers that whole time together. And I don't know if we're going to. I want to say that it's the next book that it's Hudson's point of view. And we do learn what happened during those months. So I am actually pretty excited about that because I really do. I want to know. It's basically like their love story all over again. And I love a good love story. That's why I have this podcast. <sighs> okay. So I've talked a lot. This is a long podcast. But I'm freaking out. I honestly miss these characters already because it's I've read these books over years you know actually I think I read it them like last year or maybe two years ago but over a couple years like I've known these characters I've known this story and for it to finally be over I'm actually very sad I want everyone to read these books like even if you've listened to the podcast like I want you to read these books because they are so special to me I loved every single one of them and there honestly wasn't a dud in any of them. Like sometimes series have like one dud book, but not these ones. And there's so much more detail that I wanted to tell you guys and just answer questions. And I really hope that all of this made sense. But again, like please let me know if something doesn't make sense and I can answer your questions just like on my Instagram. Um, It's find me in a book podcast on Instagram. So definitely follow me there. Follow me on TikTok. I would freaking love it if you like rate, reviewed, and followed this podcast on like all the platforms, especially if you like did a review. That would be like freaking nice of you Um, because I'm pretty sure that's what like people base things off of. I don't really know. I'm still very new to this world, but that would be cool if you did it. I honestly don't know what book I'm going to uh, talk about next week. It's going to be an adventure for me and a surprise for both of us. But I appreciate every single one of you for listening. And I hope you loved the series as much as I did. And yeah, it's just a good time. A really great time. And I had fun. So we'll talk to you next week. Thanks.